Hi guys, it's me, Paula, and I have a new message to share with you guys today. The title of this message is Calling Fire Down from Heaven. I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's just pray. Father, thank you so much for everybody on this podcast. And thank you, Father, for coming quickly, Lord, and bringing your enlightenment, bringing your word alive, delivering your word. Holy Spirit, rise up big and do what you do, Lord. You are the teacher of the church. You're the one who takes those things of Jesus, his words, and reveals it to us. I pray for the eyes of the heart to be enlightened, that everybody on the call, this podcast, will hear the word of God, receive the word of God, not reject it. In Jesus' name, amen. So here I am today needing to share a word with you called Fire Down from Heaven. And it's it's actually based on um, when the Savior was on his way to Jerusalem in Luke, it's chapter 9, and it's uh, verses uh, 51, and he was on this road to Jerusalem, and this was his final journey, okay? So I want to give you a background history. It's, uh, again, it's Luke 9, 52 through 53, um, he was going to be passing through the Samaritan village again. The Samaritans, the Jews and Samaritans had a history of conflict and racial prejudice. So they hated each other, all right? The Samaritans worshipped at Mount Gerizim, and um, the Jews obviously worshipped in Jerusalem. So there was, there was a controversy there, and usually when you were a Jew, you would never pass through the Samaritan village. You'd go out all around through the desert. So the Bible says that in verse uh, 51, that as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, or he set his face for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. So there's where the prejudice comes in. When James and John, these are Jesus' disciples, saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So that's a sharp correction there. So they went on to another village. So actually what the manuscript says is they expanded that and they added this. Um, it's, he said, actually, you don't realize what your hearts are like, or you don't know what spare you're of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy people's lives, but to save them. Think about that. He didn't come to destroy life, but to save them. These were Jesus' followers, James and John. Later, he named them Sons of Thunder. So what does that tell you about Jesus, his character? He was a character. He, 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 he gave them a nickname, Sons of Thunder. But he also rebuked them because that's not the spirit that we are of. Then further on, they were walking, in verse 57, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Notice that. You know, some of us say we're followers. Who are you followers of? Jesus? Well, you would have the character of Jesus then. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no even place to lay his head. 
no, no place even to lay his head. And he said to another person, come follow me. So he said to someone, come follow me. He calls you, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Verse 60, but Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told them, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Some people think they're fit spiritually or even physically or mentally, but you're not fit spiritually if you look back. Let me explain that to you. Um, First calling fire down from heaven is very uh, (laughs) indicative of Elijah who called fire down from heaven against the enemies of God in First Kings, the story, and in Second Kings. So in your zeal, in James and John's zeal, they wanted to do the same thing. But zeal without knowledge could hurt people. Zeal without knowledge can damage you. See, zeal, just zeal alone. You know, I meet a lot of zealous people, and that's good. Zeal is good. Some people are, are just lukewarm. But zeal is good passion, but it has to be directed and it has to be understood. What heart are you of? What spirit are you of? I'm asking that. All right. So, so he said uh, to these people, come and follow me. Um, And they were traveling and uh, respecting your parents is important. That's not what he was talking about there. Providing for them is important. But Jesus was talking about the cost of following him. Again, the commitment that took precedence over all human relationships. Let me say goodbye to my family echoes Elisha's request of Elijah. <laughs> Same thing happened to Elisha, um, his apprent- Elijah's apprentice, if you will. Jesus required an even more complete commitment from his disciples. So put a hand to the plow and then looks back. That ancient farmer guided a light plow with his left hand and his oxen with his right hand. Looking away would turn the plow out of its path. For a believer, looking back meant placing your earthly concern, your concerns ahead of God. Are you placing earthly concerns ahead of God? See, some of you have your priorities out of order, okay? Some of you are not lining up with the Word of God. Now, there is a blessing for following Jesus, of course. There is a blessing that's amazing. There is a blessing when we follow him. But there's a commitment that comes to that place. And what my job to to do really right now is to equip you. And really, that's what the Bible says for us who are leaders in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He talks about the gifts that God has given to church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then he describes what the responsibility in verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we have come to a unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, that we may be mature in the Lord. We have to be mature, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, that we will no longer be immature like little children or babies, won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching or doctrine. Some people are not even new teaching. They're in the old law. They're under the law. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us 
with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what we're called to do. We are called to grow up into all things, even to have the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about anger and telling lies and having that old sinful nature. It talks about throwing off your old sinful nature, their old life or your new life, which is corrupted. See, your, your nature is corrupted. So here's what it says, but, but it says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your old form of way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts, get a new attitude through the renewing of your mind. Now put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbor the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. In verse 31 of Ephesians 4, he says, Get rid of all bitterness. Are you bitter? Do you have a bitter root judgment? It's coming out of you. You can hear it. (laughs) You can hear it because what's down in your heart comes out your mouth. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You have been forgiven a great debt. So this is all part of the message of calling fire down from heaven. The cost of following Christ is a high cost. While you're on your road going to where you're going... <laughs> and you stop and you get stuck somewhere, check up on yourself and selves and see, you know, are you concerned about earthly things? Are you following Christ? Are you, are you overly concerned things you should not be concerned about? Jesus taught about the law. Oh my. He taught about anger. Okay. All right. So in Matthew, some of the most famous words of Jesus, of course, were ah, the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't know it by heart, you should. It's Matthew chapter 5, the call to righteousness. You know, it's called the Beatitudes. I love to say that because it's the blessing, the blessing. Beatitude, beautiful attitude. What is the beautiful attitude? one that is a follower of Christ should have. It's not calling fire down from heaven, that's for sure. It's a special favor God gives to those who are obedient, that God blesses, he divinely approves of, and, you know, um, those character, the quality of a follower of Christ. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he gives us these things, shows us the truth here. I pray he does right now for you. You want God's divine approval? Some people think they're going to be approved by God by obedience to the law. That's spiritual ignorance. 
I mean, it, it tells me one thing. You've never read your Bible and you don't have anyone that's teaching you the word of God. You haven't submitted to the word of God because Jesus taught very clearly in Matthew 5 on the law. He, ser- he seriously told us the truth. He said, verse 17, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish He's talking to Jews now. He is a he is a, a prophet, if you will, operating under the Abrahamic covenant right now. He's not. He has not died. He has not shed his blood. He has not gone into heaven yet, raised from the dead. He is talking and teaching the Son of God to Jews. Okay, and here's what he said: Don't misunderstand me. I've not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish them. To fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least command and teach others to the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Speaking to the Jews now. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He said, now here's the warning. Always read the word of God, the whole counsel of the word of God. Don't just pick, cherry pick pieces out. That's what I hear people doing. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. See, people like to teach, oh, look, Jesus taught us to to the commands, the commandments. No, he was not. He was saying, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better. Then he teaches on anger. And the reason he taught on anger, because the law said you shouldn't murder. But here's what Jesus was saying in verse 21 of Matthew 5. You have heard that our ancestors, so he's talking about those who have this um, heritage, this Jewish heritage, you see, We're told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to the judgment. But I say, even if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Wow, that's that's really interesting. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar, speaking to Jews again in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You see, he's teaching again, then on it later on adultery. Verse 27, you shall not commit adultery. He's pulling out the law of Moses, and he's telling them, I say to you, even looks at a woman with lust, has already committed adultery with her in her heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. Now, what was he saying there? This is incredible. You're unright- you're, you're- Jesus' righteousness uncovers sin at a deep level. He revealed the true intent of what the law was to do. The law was to point you that you need a savior. Now you have one. Why are you living under the law? When God gave us his spirit, the Holy Spirit came. We have him in us. He's with us. Jesus came back from the dead. No one that was religious law teacher came back from the dead. And defeated death, hell, and the grave for us. No one presented their blood. There was no one who could shed their blood and save us. See, the law couldn't do that. 
Hell is a very real place. There he's talking about Gehenna, the fires of Gehenna. That was referring to outside Jerusalem, to a valley where the kings of Judah worshipped idols and performed human sacrifice by fire. That was the site he was referring to, Gehenna. All right? So Jesus is bringing us up to the level of him, the blessing of Jesus. What is the blessing? The beatitudes, the beautiful attitudes. When he sat down, Matthew 5, and he sat around with the disciples, he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in that way. Jesus went on to say, you are the salt of the, the earth. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? So we did a whole teaching then about, I just shared with you about the law. Jesus came to fulfill. He did. He accomplished the law. We're not under the old law, the covenant. You, you know, he's very clear in the book of Hebrews. Who was Moses? Who were the angels? Who was the son of God? Who were the prophets? It's very clear. The son of God, God is speaking to us. John made it very clear. Who, who has the son has the life. He said, you cannot say I have God and not have the son. It's impossible. You say, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. Well, it's impossible. You can't. He said, you, you don't know God then, you see. So this whole point of teaching on uh, the blessing was to show you the opposite. Jesus actually went in and cursed a fig tree. There's a whole teaching on the cursing of the fig tree, which there's a lot of people thinking right before he went up to Jerusalem, you know, he was on his road in Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, 25, and in there in 26. He was on his road to Jerusalem. There was a, he was hungry. Technically, they didn't eat real early, and they were walking. And he saw a fig tree didn't have any figs on it, and he cursed it. He spoke to it. That word cursing is speaking to the fig tree. You shall not bear figs again. And later, his disciples, Peter and John, overheard him and marveled at how the it had later on, it just shriveled up, it, it, or he, they saw that it shriveled up and it instantly died. Then later on, they, they spoke to him about it. And Jesus gave them a lesson on faith. If you speak to a mountain and tell it to be removed and not doubt in your heart, but have faith, you shall remove mountains as well. Now, again, the work of the kingdom of God is the work of righteousness, you know, it's not a work of, you don't know what heart you're of, what spirit you're of. We don't go around cursing things. That is not what we do. That is not in the right order, the right character of the Lord. In fact, that is not, that is showing that you're operating in the flesh. Now, did, did, did Jesus' disciples operate in the flesh? They started to. They started, they wanted to curse those Samaritans. 
he what I want to do. And he goes, no, I didn't come. I didn't come to do that. I came. His job was to bring the good news, the life of God and save people. That's what the letter of the law was very harsh. See, see, the letter of the law is very, very harsh, but the spirit gives life. You see, I'm praying right now. I'm bringing you a message that will prick your heart, but cause you to go into the scriptures and look at the whole word of God, what Jesus said in the beautiful attitudes, what he said in the book of Ephesians about, you know, put anger away and resentment and bitterness. What Jesus spoke about the law, what Jesus spoke about the blessing. There's a special blessing. So today I pray for you right now. Uh, that you would understand that the beautiful attitude is the character and the follower of Jesus. And this would enrich you today. It would raise you up to a higher level to fall in love with him, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Give your whole heart to him. You're not in obedience to your family. You're in obedience to the fo- being a follower of Jesus. And that will cost you something. I dare say most of you some of you will have a hard time with that because that will cause you to go up a little bit higher in your priorities, especially in prayer, especially in your life with the Lord. You see, we can, we can be deceived in what we think we're doing. You can be deceived in, in uh, believing a lie that you're doing something right, but you're not. God brings his word. It is the word of God that we speak. It is the word of God that causes you to change, see? God watches over his word to perform it. The power and authority given to us as a representative of Christ is, a, is an authority in love. It is a power and authority. Love is very strong here. It is the power and authority we have in love to teach the truth. See, if someone really loves you, listen to this. Never forget this. They will tell you the truth in love. See, I'm taking time to tell you the truth because I want you to grow up into all things and be mature in the Lord. Receive this admonishment, okay, from the Lord and then go on and have a more fuller, richer, deeper relationship with him. And, and, and correction is what God does. The Father's heart, he disciplines those he loves, not who he hates. He corrects you because there's something wrong and he wants you to get your prayers answered, okay? You go to the Father in Jesus' name. Take these words to him. Lord, this is what uh, Paula is teaching, but it's your word, Lord, and make that word real to me. So I pray that in Jesus' name. I bless you today, and I look forward to seeing you on my call. Hope you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.